All right, welcome to episode 38 of Everything EOS. I'm Zach Gall, the in-house EOS devotee here at ICO Alert, <laughs> the trusted ICO discovery platform. Visit icoalert.com, the most complete calendar of all upcoming and active ICOs. And I'm being joined today with the founder and CEO of block producer Cypherglass, Rob Finch. Thank you all so much for joining us for yet a, another episode of Everything EOS, the longest running weekly EOS podcast within the entire EOS ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, please continue to leave the feedback and comments. We saw some awesome comments on YouTube last week, some awesome tweets that we got from you all just saying how much you enjoy the show, how much you appreciated our insight into the topics we covered. So please continue to leave feedback and let us know when you like it so that we know we're doing a good job. Uh, in addition to that, you can also let us know by liking, subscribing, or following the podcast on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you may be listening. And as a reminder, uh, as of last Friday, we now have our dedicated Telegram group. Uh, you could access it at www.everythingeos.io or t.me front slash everything underscore eos. And that I got to say, yeah. I got to say it's popping off. I mean, it's oh, going yeah. crazy in Telegram over there. We got a lot of people already just within the first week, and uh, we got some pretty cool conversations happening. 242 so. members in like the first three yeah. or four days. And just as Rob said, another reminder, uh, smash that like button, hit subscribe, uh, give it a five-star rating, whatever you want to do. But all that engagement helps other people find our content. It's suggested on uh, similar videos on YouTube or on iTunes. So hit the like button, and thank you very much. Yeah, and before we get started, one more piece that we got to talk about. Uh, Zach Gall and I do hold a couple different tokens, namely EOS and DICE, that we're going to be talking about on the podcast today. But please, as you're listening to us discuss our opinions about these tokens and about this open source software, do not construe our opinions as any kind of legal, tax, professional, financial, or investment advice, really any other kind of advice. You know, you wouldn't listen to a stranger on the internet for what to do with your money, and you shouldn't listen to us for what to do with your money either. So keep that in mind as we talk about this on this podcast. All right, yeah. on today's episode, we will be discussing new transaction speed records on Jungle Testnet, EOS yeah. VC News, Casino dApps adding cross-chain wagering, updates from the incubation week for the EOS Global Hackathon finals, and more. All right, so let's just get right into this. Uh, new test records set on the EOS Jungle Testnet. You want to tell everyone about that, Rob? Yeah, so I made a video about this on the Cypherglass YouTube channel uh, just a few days ago, basically talking about this new record that was hit. And initially we were given one number and now the number has been corrected and I can kind of explain why and sort of the difference. Um, so initially during the stress test, a bunch of different block producers, including Crypto Lions, who runs the Jungle Testnet, got together and decided to do a stress test and see, you know, hey, how many transactions per second can the EOS software handle in its current version? Um, and they figured out that number is close to 17,000, which is more than four wow. times. Woo. what the EOS mainnet is doing right now. 17,000 transactions per second. That's uh, almost a thousand times more transactions than Ethereum can process uh, almost 5,000 times what Bitcoin can process, maybe more. So it's it's a huge milestone. So for um, those at home, uh, Bitcoin's what, like five transactions per second and Ethereum's three roughly about like 14 or so? I mean, it's like, yeah, I go with three and 20 just to kind of that those are the numbers I use, but it's somewhere around there. I mean, it's yeah. not a lot of transactions, not enough to run any kind of real dApps with real users. So hitting this shows that we can still push the US mainnet to another two to four X from where we are right now before any other software updates come. And a lot of those software updates like Rex and like sidechains and multi-threading are coming before we're even gonna need to use, you know, this full 17,000 transactions per second. So they came out a little bit later and said, 
Um, the 17,000 were filled with very simple actions and don't actually represent a live environment at all, but they did hit over 9,000 EOSIO.token transfers, which is great. And that's coming from Kevin Rose in our very own Everything EOS Telegram channel. So if you didn't already know that. I was just going to say thanks to Kevin Rose. Uh, He's been super active on our channel. He's been on the podcast two times. Uh, (laughs) Super active member of the community. Uh, EOS New York, they're always putting out uh, great thought pieces on their blog. Uh, So check them out if you don't know about them yet. But I'm I'm sure if you're in the EOS ecosystem, you know who uh, they are. I don't think they've been out of the top 21 yet, have they? I don't, think, I don't so. think so. No, they're actually the EOS Authority put out an interesting stat thing today to show what the total EOS anybody any any block producer has earned over sort of the lifetime of the network. And EOS mm-hmm. Network has earned the most EOS out of everybody. So they've nice. been up there the entire time. And props to them for being able to pull that off. So I, I think we should backtrack a little bit. So the EOS yeah. Jungle Testnet. Let's give a shout out to Crypto Lines too because they're they're yeah. the team that that's been running the jungle since since prior to the mainnet launch, right? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And they were really instrumental in the actual launch of the mainnet, along with, of course, dozens of other block producers. But the jungle testnet itself was one of the main testnets where all of the sort of mainnet launch tests were happening and now is is used for developers to test airdrops and test new dApps and all kinds of stuff. So they do a lot for the community. Uh, another interesting thing about the transaction. So this is on the main net. But did you notice on a uh, blocktivity that they must have changed what they measure uh, a transaction with or something? Because EOS yeah. all of a sudden is up to over 45 and a half uh, million transactions per day. Yeah, yeah and uh, I can explain that. It's insane. That too. So it started out where, and, and a, a lot of this is just because more people are using dApps, more people are using EOS. The number of accounts continues to go up. The number of daily active users and volume and dApps continues to go up. Um, but part of the reason why that change has been so massive is because now Blocktivity is counting individual actions. So if I you know, do a... A transaction on BetDice, for example, that one transaction may actually have three sort of sub transactions or what people call actions within the transaction. So when those three actions are in that one transaction, um, it takes a little bit more processing time. You know, all those actions have to occur. So Blocktivity is now counting that as three um, individual transactions instead of one that's sort of grouped together. Um, so that's why you see that the bigger number there that now reflects total actions on the network rather than just bulk transactions. It's incredible speed, though, man. That's that's. It's the wild. EOS, I mean, after Wax launched, there were some days where Wax would be number one and EOS would be number yeah. two, but now it's not even close. I think EOS, I, I don't have the math in front of me, but they probably got more than the top 50 combined. Like outside Oh, yeah, themselves. and it's almost 10 times more than Wax, and Wax itself has more than all the ones combined below it. So it's, it's just crazy how many people are actually using EOS right now, um, and Wax is even a fork of EOS to, to some extent. I know it's modified pretty heavily. Um, but there's more people using EOSIO software. I mean, and the one thing I want to point out, everything we're going to talk about on today's episode is great news. You would not know we are in a bear market. Uh, 100%. Today, we're, we're recording this on Thursday, and I think the token price dropped below $2 for the very first time since yep. like last November or October. But compared to last October, November, there is so much more going on as far as development and actual like real-life action happening. So oh, yeah. I, I'm more bullish now on everything than I was last November whenever we were buying tokens at this price the first time. Yeah, I mean, last November, the EOS mainnet didn't even exist. They were still, you know, I think only a couple months into their year-long ICO that eventually ended the next June, or I guess this June in 2018. So it, it's been crazy what has happened. And, you know, people always say, hey, when the price drops, check, are the fundamentals the same? Have the fundamentals improved? Have they gotten worse? My personal opinion is that over time, the EOS fundamentals have actually improved dramatically, but the market just hasn't woken up to it yet. We're kind of caught in this broader market cycle. 
But I think if you look at, uh, and my brother Ben, who I work with at Cypherglass, brought this up to me, but if you look at the EOS Ethereum chart, and I think you'd pointed this out to me a while ago, Zach, um, you can actually see EOS gaining over Ethereum about 100% this year. So I think that's more uh, a more accurate representation of sort of EOS as it's perceived against other you know, smart contract platform competition, if you will. So, so right now, price is all still based on speculation. So even if you're comparing Ethereum to Bitcoin or Ethereum to EOS or whatever, that, that's still indicative of price, which is based on a lot of speculation. There, there still hasn't necessarily been a, a proven utility value. I mean, it, it is a resource and it does uh, handle transactions, but I think we need the RECs uh, to, to be released fully and implemented on the mainnet to start seeing... <laughs> Um, new records, and I'll, I'll explain that in a second. But first, I want to just uh, mention that EOS New York, we were just talking about them before, they put out a blog article that kind of summarized what's been going on uh, with the Rex. Block one is almost, uh, they're saying it's almost feature complete. You want to fill everyone in on what, what the official statement was? Uh, yeah, so Block one came out um, and basically said that and this was from an interesting representative uh, in Telegram. Let me see if I can pull up the screenshot here. Anyway, I don't see the screenshot, but somebody in Telegram who uh, I guess is a developer of Block One leading the uh, development of Rex, the resource exchange, which should allow people to easily um, lease and also uh, borrow CPU. Do you hear my cats in the background? Mm. Okay, they're meowing like crazy. I'm sorry, it's distracting. It's okay. <laughs> but anyway, Rex will allow people to, you know, I can deposit my 100 EOS tokens into it and get paid, you know, passive income in order to lease my CPU to the network and vice versa if I want to you know, go out if I'm playing a bunch of dApps or if I'm a dApp myself and I need more CPU, I can go to Rex and kind of lease it out. It's more of like a network-wide Chintai where the tokens don't actually leave your account, um, unlike on Chintai where you have to send them through a smart contract and everything like that. So, so. here's one improvement we're going to see from the Rex. So the very first thing, if you've been playing any games lately, whenever the uh, network goes into congestion mode, you, you probably know what it's like whenever you run out of CPU, even if you have a lot of EOS staked. So typically what, what most people do and what I do is you, you call CPU emergency, they stake right. you some extra CPU, but whenever we're in congestion mode, what they give you is still only uh, good for a couple transactions uh, because it's so congested. Now, once the Rex is implemented, what you'll be able to do is if, you're in, if the network's congested and you don't have enough EOS staked, there will most likely be an option either in the wallet or in the dApp itself that'll give you the option to just pay for that transaction. So you have all liquid EOS. Let, let's say you have 10 liquid EOS in your uh, wallet and just like a bare minimum stake, like a fraction of one EOS in your wallet. So you're not gonna have enough EOS in congestion mode to send a transaction, but you have, you have 10 liquid EOS. Those 10 liquidios can be staked into the Rex and you'll be able to basically, or not staked into the Rex, you'll, you'll be able to buy a tr one transaction from the other side of the Rex. The, um, like the, I, I forget what, what Dan called them. There is staked EOS and then whatever, whatever the EOS is called that you're actually buying and leasing to use as a transaction. Oh, so, right. it'd be like, so let's say you're playing dice and you want to roll and it says you run out of CPU. Rather than having to do the CPU emergency thing, in the background, you won't even see it on, on the front end, but it would just probably charge you less, less than a, a couple cents or even less than a penny. And it'll just buy, using your 10 liquid EOS, it'll buy just that single transaction to push it through. So you don't have to worry about if you have staked EOS, you don't have to worry about calling CPU emergency. So that's going to be one great feature of the Rex. Well, um, What's interesting about this is that right now dApps, 
have sort of figured out how to get around CPU congestion. They're leasing huge amounts of CPU OTC or from Chintai or from all these different sources. So dApps like BetDice have something like 7 million EOS tokens staked. So 99% of the time, they're fine and their actual dApp can continue to function. But the problem happens when it's the users that don't have enough CPU yeah. staked and are running out of CPU and they can't play it. But Dan actually popped into Telegram recently um, and was talking about they're working on a small fix uh, within the EOSIO code that will actually allow dApps to purchase all of the CPU on behalf of their users without the users even knowing it. So in the near future, somebody like BetDice, who has 7 million EOS staked, can actually go out and say, hey, you know, we're in congestion now. We're just going to pay for the CPU for all of our users seamlessly so that people can keep playing the game as much as they want, keep bringing revenue to the token holders. Um, and I think it'll be a much better system that will further remove the confusing elements of a blockchain from the actual user and just make it a good user experience for everybody that's playing. So I'm was, excited about that. I was reading that same conversation. I think it was in the uh, privacy coin telegram. That's basically yeah. been Dan's home lately. But I think you mentioned <laughs> that a dApp would be able to um, allow users to uh, play the game or whatever it is without even having an EOS account. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's going to be pretty I, exciting. Yeah, it's going to use a lot more resources for the, on the dApp end to do something like that. But from what Dan said, it, it will be possible. Oh, so, well, and if you look at the one last thing I'll mention, if you look at the revenue per user for some of these these games, especially EOS Knights, the revenue per user is something like last I heard was something close to like six to ten dollars, which, OK, you know, six to ten dollars per user in the, the general mobile game world. If you have a mobile iPhone game, you're making way less than a dollar per user. So the amount of money that people are making per user with these EOS dApps actually puts them in a position where they could cover CPU entirely. They could give people free EOS accounts. I think a lot of these dApps are making enough money where this will be possible. And then as a result, get more users make more money and then can bring even more people on. It's this cool feedback loop that kind of happens. So this is an interesting thing with all, all of these casinos. So back, I'd say at least 10 years ago, um, when I was still in college, so it was around that time, the late 2000s, um, like affiliate marketing, it's always been a thing, but it was, it was right. especially big back then. And like, do you remember like when Poker Stars and like Bodog were like huge and everyone was playing online casinos? Just spamming so, referral links. Yeah. So during that time, if you had a reputable like uh, marketing company, the casinos would actually front these marketing companies the referral fees because it was worth it for them uh, business wise wow. to do so you, you'd have to have like credibility you couldn't just be some mm -hmm. joe nobody but if you met these uh, casinos at like digital marketing conferences you'd build relationships with them they would front these companies anywhere between 50 to 100 dollars per user who they signed up who deposited a minimum <laughs> of like 100 dollars. oh my god because they knew right. the average uh, value of a customer over a long period yeah, of time absolutely there's some web hosts that do that, like Bluehost, which will give you $100 for a $7 annual thing. It's pretty wild. So, so there's a huge value in onboarding uh, the, these users there. And instead of that $50 to $100 fee getting paid to a marketing company, anyone could be a marketing company with these referral codes. Um, and, and you know you're going to get paid. So uh, another uh, interesting feature I, I thought of in the shower, basically, I have, I have all kinds of shower coin moments, is we, we've, we've talked many times about um, how sidechains in the future are going to be linked to the main net. And one of the things I was thinking of after watching uh, the Dan Larimer Virginia Tech uh, video, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, he, he keeps talking about thought and Bloomer's been saying the same thing, thousands of blockchains. We're gonna see all these private blockchains and public blockchains. So one of the things Dan said was basically you could 
every single business, if you've got a database and multiple users, your business can be better off on a blockchain. It doesn't need to be public. You can have private blockchains operated entirely by your business. If you've got a database, it should be on a blockchain. And that's where the future of this technology is going. Say you have seven businesses that do business with each other. All seven businesses could build a governance model where they're the seven block producers and they all kind of vote and validate everything. So these seven block producers are the businesses on a private blockchain. So, okay, so let, let's assume, forget, forget about the block producers that I mentioned, just assume there's a private blockchain, ESIO blockchain somewhere. So all of the transaction data is private. And every time a block is completed, uh, there, there's a hash added to the top of the block. It's called a block header. And a hash, is, so the way a hash works is it's basically set by some algorithm. And if you change, if you have a, imagine a text file that just has a bunch of transactions of text. If you change right. one single character in that entire block of text, the hash at the top of the block changes. Yeah. So you can't change any character in the entire block. It doesn't matter if it's one megabyte or 10 gigabytes. It, it, it's going to change the hash. So what these private blockchains could do is all of their like data, like what you see on like the memos and everything on, on the mainnet on a block explorer, that's all still private because that's on the private uh, blockchain. But to, to prove to, to an outsider outside of that blockchain that these blocks never changed, they could actually post the hash of their block header every one and a half seconds to the main net. That way you know that that block never changed because if you went to audit that private uh, blockchain, you'd be able to go and look back and see what the, what the block headers were whenever they first posted the transaction to the main net. So it makes so much sense. So if that's how all of these uh, side chains get interlinked into the main net, that's gonna be one transaction every one and a half seconds per side chain. So you imagine thousands of businesses building on EOSIO with their own private or public or hybrid blockchains. They could do thousands of transactions per second within their own uh, network or, or blockchain, but then the only thing that posts to the main net is every block that ends. Every one and a half seconds, they just send the block header to the main net. What do you, that what makes you? so much sense. I mean, that, that kind of completes the whole like hub and spoke model where mm -hmm. the hub is the EOS main net and all of these spokes coming off of it. Are different side chains. Um, I had never heard of, of taking the you know the block header, taking that hash, and just publishing it on the mainnet. But it makes a ton of sense because then, to your point, if you're using a private blockchain, if you're Walmart with some private supply chain thing, and you want to keep all your partners in in check on this private blockchain, you can still do so. But then you still have the verifiability of something like the mainnet that's fully decentralized. So that's cool. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. So all of your data is still private because it's on a private right. blockchain. But if if someone needed to audit that private blockchain, one of one of those. Uh, companies that are running the block, are running the BPs, or are paying the BPs, those companies all have access to the private data using their public, or oh, I guess private keys on their private network. They could access that data for an auditor to come in and look at it. And then the auditor would be able to say, okay, I know these guys aren't colluding with each other to change these uh, transactions from two weeks ago, because right. I could look at exactly what the block header was two weeks ago whenever it posted to the main net. And the main net is going to be the center of that hub and spoke model because it's always going to have the highest market cap, which makes it harder to to collude and, and like uh, basically do like what's equivalent to a 51% attack. It's really hard to acquire enough tokens to kind of do whatever you please and change, change uh, historical records. 
So it would be the main nut, and it's going to be the longest running chain, which is always going to be the EOS main nut because it was the first one to launch. So naturally, it's going to be the longest chain and the most trusted chain, and that that literally could be the only purpose of the main net in the future, I have no idea, is just to validate <laughs> block headers for uh, thousands of blockchains. I think that makes a lot of sense, and my cat is coming in here to the frame now, but um, I think that makes a ton of sense, especially especially when you look at something like these dApps, where a lot of these dApps could actually eventually run a sidechain, but another thing in addition to putting the block headers from their sidechain onto the mainnet, they can just store their token and the user's token balances on the mainnet, where people know it's secure, people know it's safe, mm -hmm. uh, people know nobody's messing with it. So you store all your tokens, you store, you know, maybe you have an important financial banking dApp or something that's on the mainnet, but I think most other things, most dApps, BetDice, all of these others, will probably have their own sidechains just because then they can guarantee they can stay up. And from the user's perspective, it's as if they're just using one giant mainnet. So it shouldn't change the user experience at all, which I'm super, super excited about. Once all this is in place and actually a real thing, the EOS mainnet is gonna be a completely different beast, where right now today, it's already the most used blockchain in the world by an order of magnitude. But beyond that, when all these things are in here, it's gonna be, it may be the only used blockchain in the world just because of the amount of transactions that are gonna be flowing through did, this thing. Did you see um, Ramon from Investing with a Difference? He posted some like bullish case for EOS, and he, I don't know the entirety of it, but it basically came down to that in this bear market, we saw uh, Ethereum Classic laid off, they didn't lay off, one of their top development core teams closed up shop because they just don't have the funds to continue. We talked about yeah. last week how Steemit laid off 70% of their staff. All of EOS's and Block One's competition are all cutting funding, cutting employees, oh, yeah. and here stands this giant with Block One who's just going to continue to build the best, most scalable blockchain throughout this entire bear market. The longer the bear market lasts, the more everyone else bleeds while Block One continues to innovate. I, they're yeah, not the only they're... ones that are going to be innovating. There, there's for a healthy ecosystem. There's going to be many competitive, competing blockchains, but Block One is sitting in a very, very ideal position right now compared to the competition. Oh, absolutely. Well, I made a video on the Sephiroth YouTube about this 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 week also, which was talking about why the focus right now is on building and not the price, because it's so easy to get caught up in you know opening up your portfolio and it's red and you're depressed because the you know EOS is down another ten percent today. But if to, to our point, if you focus on the things we're talking about in this podcast, even or you focus on the tweets that Zach and I put out about all the positive things that are happening and all the building that is happening, it actually starts to you know, be a very positive thing and you have a positive mindset even though the price is where it is today. Eventually the market will catch up to it, but right now the price isn't important, the focus is on building. And with four plus billion dollars, they're gonna be able to build a lot. I mean, 100 plus developers already are working on EOS and all the dApps that Block One must be building right now. But imagine a year from now, maybe they'll be at 200 or 300 or 400 developers, maybe 500 that are then building. So to your point, I like that a lot. The longer the bear market lasts, honestly, the better for EOS in the long term. So that's exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the Rex too, because for EOS to be the go-to blockchain, you have to do two things. You have to have really cheap transactions so that people right. are, are not paying a ton of money to, to do the transactions they want with whatever their current, maybe if it's centralized or whatnot, method of doing business. But then the other, other thing is it's gotta be fast. It can't be congested with all these CPU issues we're having. But with, with the Rex, I think that's really gonna open a lot of things up because using using my sidechain model that I, I, I came up with in the shower the other day, um, if that's the way we're gonna go, those um, sidechains could either decide they wanna hold a bunch of EOS so that they don't have to pay for these CPU, their CPU every one and a half seconds whenever they do these transactions, 
or they could just pay by the transaction. Like I said, it's probably gonna be uh, less than a penny per transaction anyway. So um, for people who aren't familiar with EOS and the voting and the staking, and that just confuses the hell out of them, they don't have to stake anything. They could just use liquid EOS tokens at any given time and just pay on a per transaction basis, just like you would on like an Ethereum or a Bitcoin or any other, most other blockchains. So that, that, that might make a lot more sense to someone who doesn't care about the governance. They're probably never gonna stake or never gonna vote. They just wanna use these tokens to play games with or whatever they're using them for. 100%. And I'm hoping that more dApps will sort of recognize the confusion that some users have over, over the CPU staking issue. Um, and once they do, I'm hoping that, you know, that new feature comes out for block one where now suddenly dApps can just stake all the CPU to their users. I think the most popular dApps are the ones that are going to implement this. And then as a result of implementing that, they'll continue to be the most popular dApps because they're the easiest to use. Users don't have to worry about CPU. And that's going to be a major reason why people are using your dApp versus not using somebody else's. So. I agree 100%. So besides the cheap transactions, you got to scale to millions of transactions. So like I said, yeah. if, if it's less than a penny each, you're going to have one subset of people doing transactions who have actual CPU staked, those are the people who already bought into the network a long time ago because they know they're going to be there for a long time. But a brand new company that's just using it, they, they wouldn't necessarily need to have a bunch of EOS staked up front. They could still be doing thousands of transactions per day, paying on a per transaction basis to the Rex. You just got to scale that times thousands and thousands of businesses. And I think that's the, the long-term vision here in the next couple of years, uh, maybe the next 100%. year. Um, well, I think... A lot of this is going to kick off once we finally have the referendum system in place where token holders can then vote on actually implementing this stuff. So to a lot of people out there, you know, people have even messaged me in Telegram saying like, what's going on? Who's building this? Like, is anything being done? A ton of work is being done behind the scenes, whether it's block one, they're about to come out with V1.5 of uh, EOSIO, the actual software with some major improvements. Um, but beyond that, people like EOS Canada have been working all the time on actually building this referendum system. So the referendum system where token holders can vote it's not something that's a native part of EOS. This is something that a lot of block producers had to actually build. They had to write this software, they had to code it, and then eventually release it. And now we finally have the first version of this that uh, block producers can approve to put um, live on the blockchain. So EOS Canada has already tested this under a couple of other accounts, and this proposal is basically just to move it into an official account so that it's seen as the official referendum account on the chain and that there's no question about that. So Cypherglass is one of the first block producers to vote on uh, the activating the referendum proposal. It, it yep. still looks like there's not a whole lot of, uh, according to the uh, EOS Authority, you could track all these approvals on there. It looks like there's still only four block producers that have approved it, but it was only proposed on, what, November 29th. Do you have any input on why so few have voted so far? Are they already yeah, the code I, honestly, still? I would bet some of them are still approving it. Um, others have probably forgotten to go back and look at it again. So if you're out there, if you're you know voting for a block producer in the top 21 that hasn't already approved it, there are only four BPs that have approved it so far. If you go to eosauthority.com slash approval and click on the top one, it's the deploy forum contract. Uh, it expires on December 13th. All right, our apologies for the last 10 minutes or so of audio there. If you're with us on YouTube, you probably noticed the audio also. We're still figuring out this whole remote recording thing, and some of our equipment just died on us. But we should be back and should be good to go now. Also, as a little note, people have been wondering why I'm in a kitchen. Uh, I just moved into a new house and don't really have any furniture yet. But I am building new video sets here that will be awesome and will make this whole process much better and make sure we always have good audio. So don't worry. should be fixed now. But uh, thanks for sticking with us. So we were just talking about... Studio. 
Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about the uh, referendum in the new EOSIO.forum proposal to kind of kickstart that process, and it's really the first proposal that needs to be approved to get referendum going. So if you vote for some BPs in the top 21 that aren't already on that list at eosauthority.com slash approval, please hop into their telegrams, tweet them, let them know that you want them to approve it so that referendum will be here sooner rather than later. Um, but there's some other exciting stuff going on, it looks like, with uh, our friends over at SBK Crypto, right, Zach? Oh, yeah. So who is it? Wrecked Kid. Uh, I think, is he one of the moderators in the Manios channel? I'm not sure. Uh, he is in the EOS Price channel, I believe. Oh, Shout Price. out to Wrecked Kid. He's a great guy. Yeah, it's, it's the price when you're right. Um, so yeah. he, he made a post on Twitter. I'll read it out loud. I'll put it on the screen for uh, people watching. Uh, it's from Shane from SVK Crypto. Uh, I don't know what channel it was in. Probably the SVK Crypto channel on Telegram. It said, <laughs> the first investment we are planning to announce within the next 10 business days. Thank you for your interest and support. And that, yeah, and that kind of sounds like what we basically heard when we were in San Fran. A couple of the ESVCs, they, they, they kind of said they had stuff in the works, but they didn't give yep. timelines. This is the best timeline we've gotten from SVK Crypto. So what do you think it is? Speculate. I mean, I have no idea. The amount of so I went and visited the SVK Crypto guys in London when I was there to, to speak at one of their meetups and eventually go to the hackathon that I unfortunately missed due to illness. Um, but I was there, I met their whole team, and they're a great group of guys. And I asked them, you know, what industries are you focused on? And they're not really limiting themselves to any different sectors or verticals. It's not like they're all in on gaming or all in on finance. They're kind of looking all across the board. So this could be anything. This could be a game. This could be a finance platform. This could be an exchange. It, it could really be anything. So I'm super excited and I can't wait to see what this actually is that they announced. So who knows? I'm excited too. And that's just one. So I, I think we're going to see more because I think uh, from what I remember talking to the guys from Galaxy when we were in San Fran, they had more than one an investment announcement also but we've only uh so far seen the mythical games yeah well so i think I, across the board it seems like all of these vcs have more projects they've obviously been doing tons of deal flow and, and tons of you know research on new projects coming out over the last couple months since they've gotten a hold of this money and i think all of them across the board have some kind of a project that they're in the final stages with and are ready to announce so we're going to see a lot of stuff very soon i think which is pretty exciting uh, what was the SVK Crypto's VC? Was it $50 million? Do you remember the 50 number? $50 million, yeah. And I think, I think they might have raised slightly more than that from people other than Block One, uh, but 50 was the, the number that Block One gave them. And then uh, uh, we had SVK Crypto on a podcast a long time ago, like a full yeah. podcast, and we asked them, we said, do you want to invest like a, a large amount in a few companies or a, a, like a seed amount in a lot of companies? And at that time, they said they want to do like, I forget the numbers were, but it was like less than two million per deal. So they're going to do a lot of deals. So this is just one of many, I think, is what we're going to Oh, see. yeah. I mean, they're going to come out with dozens of deals, I imagine, because not every project needs $30 million like Everpedia. No. Honestly, Everpedia itself probably doesn't even need $30 million. I mean, half a million dollars, a million dollars, two million dollars, that's a ton of money in terms yeah. of seed money that can take a project on their roadmap for a year or two years to get them to the point where then they're generating revenue and are a real business. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference between these investments and some of the ICO investments in the past is that a lot of these people are looking for real businesses that generate real revenue versus yeah. just, you know, different decentralized concepts that don't actually make any money and then aren't sustainable as a result. Indeed. All right. I'll, uh, I, I know, I know if you, you've done a lot of the talking today, but the next thing on the topic list is the new Dice stablecoin announcements. You want to yeah. kick that off? I'm excited today, so I don't mind doing a lot of the talking. But uh, so Dice, or 
previously bet dice now rebranding to just dice which is the same name as their token makes a lot of sense they got a new logo coming out soon um so dice announced something pretty amazing and i actually have never made a video on dice before yesterday when i put out a video on the cypher glass channel about why this is so significant and i'll kind of recap some of this now um so they came out with a whole list of announcements as they generally do every few weeks but for december 5th they said eos bitcoin eos eth and eos usdt are coming so BetDice is actually partnering with someone to bring three brand new tokens to the EOS mainnet, one called EOS BTC, that's the name of the new token, mm -hmm. the other EOS ETH, the other EOS USDT. Just to clarify, those are the names, the actual ticker symbols of all the tokens. And if, but what's significant, yeah, go ahead. I was, I was just going to explain. So the company's name is what, BitPi? Have you ever heard of them yeah. prior to this deal? Yeah, and I have used BitPi's mobile wallet. They have pretty good mobile wallet in exchange, and I think that's sort of how they monetize right now. So you, you think of a stablecoin. USD Tether is the most common stablecoin, and, and the way you think of it is there's like a bank account, and every time a dollar gets deposited into this bank account, one new US dollar Tether is minted into circulation. Yep. Every time someone withdraws USD Tether from like Bitfinex or Tether themselves, one token is removed from the circulating supply on the blockchain. So what, what this is doing is it's creating stable, e stable coins between let's say EOS and Bitcoin. So there will be a, a wallet, a multi-signature wallet on, on the Bitcoin blockchain and it'll account for all of the deposits in there. And basically if I buy um, 10 EOS worth of Bitcoin on EOS, it, it's going to buy 10, Bitcoin, 10 EOS worth of Bitcoin on the Bitcoin blockchain. is going to go to this multi-sig wallet. And then as soon as uh, the software confirms that that Bitcoin's in the, uh, that wallet, it's going to mint new EOS tokens on the EOS uh, mainnet, the EOS BTC tokens. Is that, am I off base or... No, that's that's sort of like a more technical description of what's actually happening. But the like functional what you're getting from this from a functional perspective is now you can take your Bitcoin, you can take your Ethereum, you can take your Tether and you can use it on the EOS mainnet. So right now, if you've used EOS and you see how lightning fast it is, how free the transactions are, and then you go back to Bitcoin and you have to wait 30 plus minutes and, you know, pay maybe a few dollars um, or maybe less than a dollar now. Uh, with mm -hmm. the price to to make your transaction go through, it's a much worse experience. So in order to allow people to transact Bitcoin in the same way they transact EOS, which is you know instant and feeless, you can now move your Bitcoin to the EOS mainnet. So if I deposit, like you were saying, one Bitcoin into the smart contract, it'll give me one EOS Bitcoin token on the EOS mainnet that then now I can use in BetDice's game to you know bet with Bitcoin or bet with Ethereum or bet with USDT if I want to denominate everything in dollars. So this is something that's never been done on any other blockchain as far as I know, um, and, and really has a lot of implications for the EOS mainnet as a whole. I mean, other games I'm sure will come out and support these tokens so that then if you're a Bitcoin user, you can deposit your Bitcoin and now use it. But the one thing that I wanted to highlight here that I didn't highlight in the Cypherglass video is how much of a Trojan horse this is for the EOS oh, network. Yeah. So Zach, you had that whole story that you told uh, recently on a, a pretty funny podcast about how you showed people um, at an event, you know, playing one of the dice games on your phone and they were just blown away by how fast mm -hmm. it was and that all of the transactions were actually confirming instantly. Um, and I think this is going to be a similar effect for people that are in Bitcoin or Ethereum right now and then use an EOS game just because it supports their token. So if I'm on Bitcoin and I'm used to waiting forever and paying fees and I deposit my Bitcoin into dice to play and then I start realizing, wait a minute, did my transaction just confirm instantly? Did I just get the result instantly or all these transactions on chain? it's going to be sort of a mind-blowing moment for a lot of people that were previously just isolated to these Bitcoin or Ethereum communities that now, once they've actually used EOS, it's going to open up their mind on, wow, this is actually the future. 
this is what all dApps will be built on. So this is almost like a Trojan horse for EOS as a whole for people that are just in Bitcoin and Ethereum to kind of move over and uh, see the light, if you will. So technically, with, with whatever uh, this BitPy software is and there's other things in work, we saw like the EOS21 protocol. Yeah. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but hypothetically it could is, so Bitcoin has a maximum supply of, let's say, I think 21 million Bitcoin ever right. will, will ever be minted in forever. There... Technically, you could have half of that supply in one of these multi-sig wallets with half of that supply living on the EOS mainnet. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's I mean, nothing it, stopping that from happening. In the future, you could even have all Bitcoin living in this multi-sig wallet running on the EOS mainnet because it's just a better, it's better experience. Do I want to wait 30 minutes for my transaction or do I want it to happen instantly in half a second? I want it to happen instantly in half mm -hmm. a second. So I'm going to be moving my Bitcoin over to the EOS mainnet and, and using it in these dApps. So... This is just like the the implications here for dApps, for other, you know, exchanges to now be able to trade Bitcoin on a decentralized EOS exchange that's running entirely on EOS is now another possibility with this. So, so many things are going to open up because of this. And this is just the beginning, but it's super, super exciting to see uh, the exciting. DICE team once again pushing the limits of EOS and, and innovating. So let, let's just recap what we already talked about so far. And we're going to continue yeah. with the really good news. So we started yeah. with the testnet setting new records. So yep. in a test environment, the EOS uh, testnets are running, th what, three times faster than we are currently on the mainnet with no difference in hardware. So yep. bullish on the transaction speed. The Rex is nearly feature complete and nearly ready to implement. Bullish. The referendum yep. is currently up for vote. We just need block producer approved. When 15 out of the top 21 approve it, it's in. And then after that, once referendum's live, then everything's fair game to new constitutions, new, oh, new yeah. fees going into the Rex, all kinds of stuff. SVK Crypto, one of the five or six EOS VCs, ready to make an announcement for another investment. We know Galaxy's got some on deck. I know FinLab has some on deck. I met some people personally uh, I, that have mentioned some things. Um, and then now new stable uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum and US dollar Tether are now usable on uh, EOS Casino. So you could actually play yep. these dApps without owning any EOS potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's all coming on, on the 12th of December and they say you'll be able to just deposit Bitcoin right on the dice site. So you head over there and you can do it <laughs> so all without even just wanted to recap because we're going to go into the next amazing news. And I think this blog article just came out yesterday or today. Yeah. A video came out today. So there is a company called ITAM, I-T-A-M, and they are going to build games. I'm going to let Rob explain this one again because you're really good at explaining things today. Yeah, so ITAM itself, at first, I wasn't sure if they were building on the EOS mainnet or if they were their own network or sidechain, but they're basically just an ecosystem for games built on EOS. So they're trying to build you know, new games, trying to bring developers in to build their own games, all sort of surrounding this ITAM platform. Um, but it's all built on EOS, which is pretty crazy. It's not like Wax where it's a separate network. This is on the EOS mainnet. So the ITAM network came out recently. Uh, yesterday, like you're saying, and put out a video trailer for their first game. I'll throw uh, it's that called up Blue for the Dawn. people watching while you talk about this. It's called Blue Dawn. It's, Continue. It is such a cool trailer. So this almost looks like EOS Knights if you played that. I'm a huge fan of that. I actually just cracked into the top 100 uh, on the leaderboard. I'm almost at floor oh, 3,000. So I've been having a lot of fun with that, a lot of fun leveling up the pets and sending them on expeditions. But <laughs> Blue Dawn almost looks like it's taking that to the next level. Looks like there's more combat involved. Um, a lot more customization. There's there's more animations. It looks pretty amazing. And you can probably see that I, from the trailer over the screen now, just how cool this game is going to be. So do you think every single hit of those weapons on the screen where you see like the hit power and the damage, that's all a transaction probably? 
I would think so. I would think in the same way, you know, EOS Knights, when I rebirth my Knights or change out their armor or sell anything, it's all a transaction on the blockchain or an action in this case. So mm -hmm. I, I don't see why this would be any because different. Because there, there's different ways you could run a game. So we've talked about this before. The entire game doesn't always need to be on a blockchain. Sometimes it could just 100%. be the skins you own or the items you own could be, you know, a, a, like uh, non-fungible tokens in a wallet. But the rest of the game doesn't have to be blockchain. It's just the ownership of what you have in your backpack or, or whatever your equivalent is in the game. Right. But, you pointed out one of the coolest features of ITAM on top, and that's pretty incredible considering how cool the game looks. Right. Um, they're going to allow three different user account levels. So the first one's going to be guest. A guest doesn't require you to sign up for anything. It doesn't require an EOS wallet. It's very limited in functionality, but you could play the game and see if you like it without doing anything. So we, yeah, we talk about just to reach, getting them in. If we want to reach mass network adoption, these dApps need to be just like a regular web application to your regular person. And a regular person can play a game without creating a wallet and getting a private key and staking EOS or whatever else they need to do on a different blockchain. People don't want to do that unless they're already in crypto. Then they, they love it and want to tell everyone about it. But you'll be able to play a, almost like a trial version without anything. You just got to sign up or, or maybe not even sign up. The, the second way is as a user. Now, user has almost all of the core functionality as the top tier, which is the EOS user, but ITAM actually handles the, the wallet and all of the, or the um, what is it, the ownership of your assets, essentially, within the right. game. So you're able to do almost everything uh, that a full user could do, except you don't own your owner and active keys, uh, your pub private and public keys, because yeah, what's cool about it's abstracting EOS away from the user. Yeah. Well, and that's what's so cool about this is that as part of that user account, if you say, hey, I want to make an account, you sign up just like you would anywhere else. You can sign up with Gmail. You can sign up with your Facebook account. You can sign up with an email. It's a normal login flow or a normal sign up flow that people are used to. And that's what these dApps should be. So it's awesome. That middle user tier before you convert them into an EOS user and convince them to make an EOS account to, you know, sell their items or unlock features. Boom. Sign up with Facebook. Like that's so crazy. Yeah. And then the, the full tier user is the EOS user and they have their their private keys, they actually could transact and move their digital assets around like, like, like we would expect. But because they have those user tiers, it, a lot, it's like training wheels to get yourself into yeah. a blockchain. It abstracts all of the confusing, complicated stuff that most people don't want to deal with or know about. It abstracts it completely away. And then once you really get into the game and you're like, I really wish I could do those in-game digital asset transactions that are not, it's not letting me do. What do I got to do to do <laughs> that? I'll finally build this, I'll get this EOS wallet. And I'm sure that they'll have a point and click uh, way to do it pretty frictionless within their platform. We will see. Definitely. Well, what's cool about the EOS user thing, I mean, you can imagine a situation where somebody's making, you know, some kind of an in-game currency in a game, whether that'll be possible in this game or not, I'm not sure. But when they have to get to the point where they pay the 99 cents to make their EOS account and to buy the RAM to, you know, save their account on the EOS blockchain, that's why you have to pay that fee. When they get to that point, the user may actually be able to just cash in some of their in-game currency that they earn playing the game that ITAM will then oh sell to God. get the dollar to buy the RAM to make their EOS account. So they may be able to play a game to then get a free EOS account to then play the game more, to sell items, to make more EOS. And this, not just this game, wow. but games in general are gonna be a huge on-ramp for people to get into EOS accounts, especially if they put in a system like this where you go guest to user account to EOS account to get all the features and all the benefits. Like We've this is 
so cool. We've talked about this so many times how and oh, I, yeah. I, I praise Steemit for it because Steemit's one of the few decentralized applications where you could actually earn value, earn digital tokens that are spendable, tradable, transactable without ever signing up to Coinbase in the first place and doing all the complicated yep. KYC stuff. With these games, with these freemium type models, you could actually build up the, the value of your assets from playing the game. Let's say you got to fight some end game monster and whenever you kill him, you get some special item. And that special item has some sort of dollar value. As long as that dollar value or, or collective dollar value of multiple items is over like $1, you'd be able to create an EOS wallet for zero like fiat money out of your pocket. Oh yeah. Well, and I gotta say with EOS Knights, you know, there are, there are people that make a lot of money playing the game and now I can see why, now that I'm almost at the 3000th floor, Anytime I send my knights off, it, it probably takes about a day for them to actually die because they have so much health and everything now. But I got a couple items yesterday that were worth 1.1 EOS, 0.3 EOS, and 0.5 EOS each. So I made basically two EOS in a day just playing this game. Obviously, I bought more you know, to, to do the pet gotchas and see if I could get the <laughs> rare pets. So I'm negative on the game, but I don't really care. I'm not in it for the money. But I think it's awesome that you can actually make money in some of these games. I mean, if I get an item worth one EOS, I sell that out. And these things sell quickly. I've sold... I think 60 something items through EOS Knights that all sell very, very quickly. So these are active communities um, that, that are putting real value on on assets within these games. And ITAM is not going to be any different. I mean, who knows what these these items in the game will sell for, but I think it's going to be uh, pretty exciting to see. I'm excited. So I guess so that's Blue Dawn. And, and we'll, if you're watching, you would have seen the trailer or you could look in the description links if you're listening. Or Definitely. you could visit the Everything EOS Telegram channel and scroll up a little bit because all of this stuff was shared earlier in the day. That's oh, everythingEOS.io. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we got to continue. We've got two more topics to cover. I think we're probably running a little over on our time, but we'll keep rolling through them. So Dan spoke, uh, I think, on November 29th at Virginia Tech. This is the second time that Dan's spoken and given a seminar at Virginia Tech. And we've talked on the show many times how uh, it's very obvious and in plain sight what Block One is doing with their relationship with Virginia Tech. Okay. They have this this market leader. He's like it'd be like it'd be like Elon Musk coming to your uh, like renewable energy school and giving <laughs> yeah. a lecture every now and again. <laughs> like, so could true. you imagine that? And and that's what they're gonna have here for their blockchain curriculum, which Block One oh, is yeah. gonna assist in building. They already donated three million dollars to build out this curriculum, and they're sending a global leader in the industry to speak regularly on the campus. And guess what? They're gonna provide jobs for probably the first. 10 graduating classes are all going to have full-time jobs if they want to stay in Blacksburg, Virginia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and what's cool about this, I watched this, uh, it's called Why Blockchain, this thing on YouTube. And it's interesting, to your point, you can really see what they're doing from the way that he's talking and from the topics he's talking about. He's not going super in-depth on the technical side. He's more trying to, it seems convince students to eventually take these blockchain classes and get excited about it. So he's talking about, you know, why all corporations will be on blockchains in 10 years and that's where all the data will be managed. He talks about, you know, how that's sort of the future of tech. Um, that's where all this stuff is going. So it seems like he's giving these generalized talks to get the, the student base excited to then take these classes uh, whenever they're out, whenever that curriculum is done. So it's cool. He's kind of like this hype man for getting people excited about blockchain, which is great. Uh I was just excited that uh, Block One put out their like HD YouTube video fairly quickly after the 29th. Yeah. Because right now is global, or it's the incubation week in Cape Town, South Africa. So it's the finals of the hackathon series. And um, Rob Banky, he, he's the uh, business lead of Team Nougat, 
he was uh, posting on Twitter. He was just basically using his cell phone to videotape the, the projector screen. And they got to see uh, the Why Blockchain Dan Larimer speech uh, before any of us did on YouTube. And then That's they awesome. also had a, a Q&A with Dan also. So Yeah, I saw that they like Skyped him in or something, yeah, I guess. Cause, it was pretty because cool. We talked about this before. Dan, Dan doesn't usually leave the United States. When he went to London, uh, that was a big deal. And then oh, we saw yeah. him in San Fran. Well, I think at the US, in the U.S., I think we'll see him at any big event, I guess. But And especially right now when Block One's trying to build as much as possible, as quickly as possible, the productivity drain on sending Dan across oh, the world, basically. A 30 hour then lose flight. a day traveling. Yeah, he lose a day and a half traveling. Then, mm -hmm. you know, you lose the time with jet lag. Then he has to come back. When he can just Skype in and do a teleconference, it makes way more sense for something that's in South Africa so that he can continue not only building himself, but leading the team of 100 plus devs at Block One that are building all this stuff, too. And so I, I'm happy I've, he stayed in Blacksburg, me too. to be honest. I, I've seen him in Telegram. I, I don't remember when it was around, but someone was asking Dan if he was going to some con this or that conference. And he straight up said, he said, everyone that spends all their time going to these conferences clearly aren't building anything because it's impossible to focus on your work if you're constantly going to a conference, like a couple conferences a month. Those oh are my God. very, conferences very are draining. draining. Yeah. Oh, it, it, and I'm not saying so oh, as like, I don't enjoy them. I love going there, meeting all these people and talking about EOS, but I can only talk about EOS for 16 hours a day for so many days. <laughs> and that's why the hackathon like totally killed me because it was like one day, 16 hours, the next 12, it was like, it was too much. But uh, I'll definitely be doing it again, I'm sure several times next year. So but. I guess getting back in Incubation Week, because I had a chance yeah. to talk to uh, Team Nougat the other day about how it's been going. And it, it seems really cool. So every day they, they have a whole day planned out. Like this is a full week in, in Cape Town, South Africa, all expenses paid from block one. So what they did was there's been five hackathons leading up to this, one virtual and four on different continents. And each hackathon had a $100,000 grand prize with other prizes for second and third place. But the first th three place teams at each, uh, at each hackathon, as well as the winner of their social impact awards, are all at this hackathon. Additionally, they invited 15 other blockchain startups that are participating who weren't part of the hackathons. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. They're all there taking advantage of all the mentorship and the seminars. It's basically incubation week is like a boot camp. They're going through four days of 12 hour days where they're listening to experts in the field. They're getting one on one mentorship and then they're all going to pitch on Friday. Now, since this is the hackathon uh, pitch day finals, I'm assuming that these 15 companies that weren't part of the hackathon, I don't know if they're eligible to win the $500,000 grand prize or not. Right. Uh, but but and. and I think there's these 15 extra teams. So I said that and you seemed surprised like you didn't notice that. No, it makes sense. I mean, I, I haven't looked into I, the teams that were participating other than the ones that won the previous hackathons, but that makes a lot of sense and seems like a way for them to just get these people to build on EOS, whether they win or not. But I would imagine if they are there that they have a chance to win. And I got that from the original uh, Block One press release. I don't, I don't have the exact words in front of me. But it sounded like, uh, I'll pull them up in front of me. It says, along with 15 other startup outfits after they like introduced wow. who all was participating. So what I'm thinking is there's these really positive projects. Maybe they're working with the ESVCs and they want them to take advantage of this week-long mentorship program because every day has just been a jam-packed schedule. Uh, and today, or I guess today's Thursday, but by the time you guys see this on Friday, the hackathon finals should be over because South Africa is like 15, I don't know, seven hours ahead of the East Coast time. Right. So I usually get this out Friday night. So by then we should know who the winners are. There's some great teams. Team Nougat's one of the really good ones. ID Pass. Um, yep. The guys who won um, 
in London were really good. Uh, I forget what they were doing, something with security, but they just announced recently they're launching on Talos. Uh, so, so really cool. Um, I, I'm going to have uh, an interview. We're going to do a full podcast. I don't know if we're going to do it. Uh, maybe. How would you feel next week, Rob, about having uh, Rob from Nougat on as a third uh, guest? To go oh, yeah. Anything? He could tell us. Yeah, about that'd the, be great. All right. We can yeah, get his perspective on the hackathon and how the week was and what they did. Because, I mean, they're there for a week and it's not like they're there four hours a day. Like they're there all day, every day for a week working on these things, brainstorming, figuring out how to pitch. So I'm, I'm so curious to hear from his perspective what's really going on. There. And that'll make it easier for me because then I won't have to produce two podcasts next week. We could just do that. There we the, go. Yeah. One, we could do one really good one. All right, Rob. I, I don't I, we started and stopped so many times today. I don't actually have a timer of how long we've been going, but it feels like I'm going to have more than an hour of material and we try to keep it around that one hour mark so oh yeah uh, what, what else is going on what do you have going on at cypher glass anything you want to fit in here i do want to say we're working on some exciting stuff behind the scenes but the, the main thing i wanted to cover today was just almost like a pep talk for everybody out there i know it's so easy to get discouraged in a bear market you check your block folio you look on coin market cap oh my god another 10 percent. another 10 percent. how low can it go you know <laughs> where is it gonna go and i know it sucks it sucks to look at but the same thing I said in that video I posted on Cypherglass, change your perspective. If you're focused on the price and focused on losing this this value or this perceived value every day, that's all that's in your mind. That's not a very healthy, positive headspace that's going to you know continue to move you forward in crypto or in this ecosystem or whatever your goals are here. But if you start focusing on the positive things that are happening in the space, like all of the stuff we just talked about, every, Bitcoin yeah. and Ether now being usable on the EOS mainnet, ITAM coming out with new games, the new hackathon competitions, new funding announcements coming very, very soon, Rex almost being feature complete, new transactions per second, uh, records that have been broken beyond... Uh, the EOS records that had said it before, so kind of breaking our own records over and over and over again. There's so much positive stuff happening in the EOS ecosystem that makes me smile and get excited every day, totally regardless yeah. of the price. So just keep that in mind. If you're out there, try to focus on the positive stuff that's happening, and maybe you can even contribute to it. Hop into Telegram, answer questions for people, get them set up with their EOS wallet. Because if we all just sit around and look at the price and complain about the price— the price is going to keep going down because nobody's actually building. But if we all as a community get together and help other people, help them get on board, help adapt developers by giving them feedback, if we all contribute to this ecosystem, we will make it the best blockchain ecosystem in the world. I already think it is that right now. But the market mm -hmm. will reflect that in the future as well. So that's my little pep talk for you all. To everybody out at the hackathon, uh, a sincere Good luck from us. We uh, we wish you all could win it, but we know there will only be three winners, but I can't wait to see who it is. <laughs> all right. So uh, we're way over time. Uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, thank yep. you all for listening. Uh, join us on Telegram at everythingeos.io. That'll forward you to our Telegram channel. We are very active there. There's great conversations okay. going on. We could uh, follow up on any of the topics we talked about today on Everything EOS or any topics we missed. So once again, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And this is everything use. Ah, uh, yeah, smash that like button. Oh.